I like that one a lot. The title of the message today is, If You Want to See Change, Both in Your Life and Your Church, I'm going to give you some things, some ways you can do that. Please turn to 2 Corinthians. And I've got a little short story for you. This George came home from university in tears one day. And he looked at his mom and with a, a sad face, he said, Mom, am I adopted? No, of course not, the mother exclaimed. Why would you think such a thing? And George showed her his genealogy DNA test results. No match for any of his relatives. Strong matches for a family who lived the other side of the city. Pretty perturbed, his mother called her husband. Honey, George has done a DNA test, and, and I don't know how to say this, he may not be our son. And he goes, just complete and utter shock. He looks at her and goes, well, obviously. What do you mean, she asked. It was your idea in the first place, her husband said. You remember that first night in the hospital when the baby did nothing but scream and cry and scream and cry, on and on, and you asked me to change him? Well, I picked a good one, I reckon. Ever so proud of little Georgie. Got another story for you about change. Uh, a farmer and his son and his wife went into town one day. Now this is back, oh, 1920s, 1930s. And they had never been into the big city. So they go into the city and tall buildings. He says to his son, that's a lot of walking. And uh, son said, yep. Well, he drops mom off. She goes, does her thing at the boutiques and whatever else she needed to do. And he walks into the tallest building he can find. And all of a sudden, he sees a woman in her 80s walking with a cane. And the wall slides open. And he's bewildered. And she goes in. And the wall shuts. And then it opens again and a beautiful 20-year-old blonde walks out. He looks over at his son. Boy, go get your mother. <laughs> I mean no offense by that, so if you're offended, I apologize. All right, we're back in 2 Corinthians, and we're talking about change and how Christ has made a change in our lives, or he should have, if you have accepted and received him as your personal Lord and Savior. We pick up again in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And this was around AD 55. Paul left, leaves Ephesus. Now, he's traveling north to Troas. As we said last week, Troas was a port city, and there had arranged to meet Titus and hear how the Corinthians had responded to the, the severe letter, which, by the way, we do not have. But he wants to see how they respond. So he does not find Titus there, unfortunately. So Paul crosses over to Macedonia to await him in that location. And eventually, Titus arrived. And he reported that the Corinthians' response to the recent letter and bringing news of other developments in the Corinthian church. Well, the book of 2 Corinthians, which is actually the fourth letter he wrote to the Corinthians, was Paul's response to that news that was brought by Titus. And it reads, 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but of, as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Holy Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And there's a lot going on here, so we're going to break it down a little bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I feel a little off this morning. I even forgot someone who's been here a couple of times. Forgive me, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but God, I ask that you would use me in order to change hearts, that you would prepare all of our hearts to receive your scripture today. Lord, I know that there's been a lot going on in our midst, in our congregation, with sickness, deaths, and a various other numerous things. But Lord, we come here, and even weary, we say, Oh God, we worship you. And Lord, we know that you honor that. And we pray that you would honor that. Our hope is in you, Jesus. So we surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Go where God calls and minister the power of the gospel to those around you. That's the main takeaway. Go wherever God calls you and minister the gospel through power to those around you. Number one, make sure that you go and do where God is truly calling you. Yes, I rhymed. Can you believe that? I looked at that after I wrote that and I went, that's pretty good. I don't know how to rhyme very well. Could never have been a rapper. That, in fact, I don't like the music, but anyway. Is that one of y'all? Boy, I hope it's not me. I hope it's a Spanish church. Anyway. The back, is, that, is that what that is? A backup alarm? Oh, okay. Make sure you go and do where God is truly calling you. Furthermore, it says in 2 Corinthians 2.12, and we're going to stop at verse 17, 
it says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffused the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So here we are, Paul finds himself in Troas, waiting for Titus to return from Corinth. But he's running behind, and, and Paul's uncomfortable. And he remembers Titus was sent, now you've got to remember Titus was sent to the Corinthians uh, to deliver a letter from Paul, of which we do not have, unfortunately. It was called the severe letter. And he was there to check on their spiritual development from that letter. He was a bit nervous, and I could see why. So, what it, so here are some things to note about this situation. One, the first one, if you're taking notes, Paul saw that God had opened a door to preach Christ's good news. There was a door open to him there in Troas. So what did he do? He went in. He preached to Troas, the people there. Let me tell you this, though. Just because a door is open doesn't mean it's from God. Did you know that? You know, many a marriage, a family, and a life has been destroyed by walking through doors that weren't open to them by God. They weren't God's will, but they were a door. You've got to make sure that when an opportunity arises that it is from God. Make sure of that. Otherwise, you may be setting yourself up for disaster. Number two, if this door is open to you, you better make sure that as you're going through the door and you get to the other side, that you are sharing the good news of Christ. And I'm going to say some things that may not sit well with you, but you're going to do it and you're going to listen to it anyway, because I got the mic. So... There you go. That's a joke. Some, some of you get that on the way home. Wherever you go, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, how far you go, you are not exempt from sharing God's gospel. As a Christian, that is your main purpose. Otherwise, he should just rapture us and take us all right now. What are you doing here? Share the gospel. What is the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins. That's the gospel. He died on a Roman cross that he didn't deserve to die on for your sin. He transferred that sin to his account. And then he paid the ultimate price for it. And then he rose from the grave, proving that he was the victor over death, hell, and the grave. Plus, you're commanded to share the gospel. Do we, lest we not forget, Matthew 28, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If a, for example, if a, a door for a new job or a new place comes open to you, and you're, you absolutely know that sharing the gospel might get you fired from there, you think you shouldn't pray about it before you go? Maybe God is calling you there. Maybe you're going to be persecuted there. Lest we forget that on his way back, Paul was told many times that if he goes to Jerusalem, he'll be bound and chained and arrested but he knew God had called him to be bound and chained and arrested. God's will is not always what feels good. God's will is not always what can I get. God's will may be that you be bound and chained and arrested for the gospel. Had that not happened, we would not have the prison epistles today to read. It may be that God's got something bigger in store that you may never see. Do you think that when he wrote these epistles under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he knew that we would all one day have a printed Bible, some of us electronic? That wasn't even in his mind. He was trying to minister to those that were there. But he knew that what he was writing was under the power and the sufficiency of Scripture. At least I believe that. Sometimes, God calls us to situations to spread the gospel, even if it results in our deaths. You know what? He still called us there. Sometimes He's telling you not to go there because it's not your time for persecution yet. But you see, you think you know better. A lot of times we think we know better than God. And the opportunity just just makes some good money is open to you. So it must be from God, right? Not always. Wrong. If you're not 100% sure that God is calling you to do it, then don't do it. But pastor, you know I need the money. Uh Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. I'd rather be stuck eating a Twinkie for dinner than filet mignon and have chaos in my house. Because I stepped outside of God's will. And I have been there. And a lot of us have been there. And a lot of us are going there again. So Paul's preaching God's word. But he finds himself in an interesting situation. Everything is presumably going well. We're not told that it's not going well in Troas. Yet deep down in his spirit there's some restlessness There's some churning from the Holy Spirit in there. And it's not the kielbasa he had the night before, let me tell you that, okay? Um, If you're like me, kielbasa will give you a restless feeling. Some of y'all laughed. Some of y'all like, I don't know where this guy went with that one, but whatever. Yet he senses inside of him that something's not wrong, but something's different. And he knows what God wants him to do. And for these people, and he, and he moves on to Macedonia to wait for Titus there instead of Troas. And sometimes God will tell you to move from one job to another, even though there's nothing wrong. It's just time to go. 
Why? Because God says so. I don't know why. It just happens sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes uh, God will just do that. You know why? You know what that's called? That's called a walk of faith. We have faith in God that if he has moved us on, it's for his reasons, and he'll, he's going to take care of it. That's how it was when, when I came here. There was nothing really bad going on. God called, and through faith, I answered. Simple as that. God set it up for me to be in this church. And I praise God every day for that. I really do. This is the most lovingest church I have ever been in. And I've been in quite a few churches. Not as their pastor, but quite a few churches. Pastor in some of them. Notice also that as God called Paul, that he, what did he do? Did he stop talking about the gospel? No, he continued to preach the gospel. Why? Because that's what God has called each and every one of us to do. Share the gospel. 2 Corinthians 2.14, let's look at that again. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us triumphantly as captives in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the sweet aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an odor of death and demise. To the other, a fragrance that brings life. And who is qualified for such a task? No one. For we are not like so many others who peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as men sent from God. Now you got to understand something. When you put on perfume or cologne, please, brothers and sisters, we don't have this problem here, but when kids are in middle school, when I'm teaching, and they're just learning about cologne and deodorant and those kind of things, you'd think they took a bath in it. Um, don't bathe in that stuff. Some of us can't handle that. But when it comes to spreading the gospel of Christ... You go ahead and bathe in it. You go ahead. But you keep putting it on as you go. You keep bathing in it every five steps or so. You got more. You can get more Jesus being poured out of you every little while. You just bathe in it and you let that overflow. Everybody around you, there's no question that you're a Christian. Let that overflow. I was talking to a, a teacher recently. And they asked her why she was leaving a, a particular school. And she said, because they took away the Bible curriculum, told us not to teach it, that they'd get that on Wednesdays. And she said, uh, so that's why I'm leaving. And the interview, interviewer says, so if I take away the curriculum of Bible, you, you, wouldn't, you would leave here. And she said, you darn right I would because that is the foundation for all knowledge. Well, praise the Lord. She may not get that job. Praise the Lord anyway. That don't where she need to be. You need to be able to be pouring out Jesus wherever you go. 
Those that are receiving your message of Christ and are being saved, they find the gospel the most sweetest of smells ever. But to those who don't, it is the stench of death. Why is that? Well, they're convicted by it. Did you know that the gospel is truly divisive? On the one hand, you have those who come in humility to be saved, and they find life thereby and love in the message. And on the other hand, you have those who reject the message, and they are already condemned in their sin. And now you come and you tell them that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. They don't want to be reminded of that. They just want to live in the darkness and sin. They want to be selfish. They want to not give up their control. Now, here you come with the gospel, and how do they react? Well, many people will have a very violent reaction. Does this stop the Christian? It better not. No. Why? Because our Lord and our Savior commands us to spread the gospel anyway. So wherever we go, we let that smell of the gospel waft off of us as a sweet-smelling savor before Christ. You know, Paul says here that he's not like so many others who peddle the word of God for profit. That upsets me no matter what. I see that a lot peddling the word of God. You see, even in Paul's day, they had the fly-by-night, take your money, take advantage of you preachers who are only interested in tickling the ears and telling people what sounds good to swindle them out of their hard-earned money. They existed then. They've existed all throughout history. Listen, the sin in man is going to find a way to put himself above others every time. Every time. I'm not talking about the biblical stance on tithes or offerings. I'm talking about the type who take your jewelry, your watches, anything you have so that they can buy another Porsche or BMW or whatever. Let me tell you a little story. And this comes from a trusted friend who was there during the time that this happened in Orlando. Benny Hinn, when he was here, he stood up on stage after putting everybody in a light trance, by the way. How does he do that? You ever watch those things on TV? Have you ever seen one? They sit there and they sing hallelujah for three hours straight. That'll put anybody into a light trance. Okay? And uh, then he gets on stage and he says, turn the cameras off. So they turn all the cameras off. And he says... Me and my family's been good to you. You be good to us. We're going to pass the plate around. You put anything you've got in there, all your money, your watches, your jewelry, whatever. And you know what? People did it. He told me that, and that just blew my mind. You've got to be kidding me. No, I was there. That's why I left. Whoa. You know what? They gave the expensive stuff. They gave the Rolexes. They gave the diamonds and the pearls. I can't even imagine the personality of this man or anyone that would stand up and say that, much less watch it happen right before his face. How evil is that? No, Paul preaches the gospel out of sincerity as one who's truly sent from God, not out of ill-gotten gain.
Number two, if you want to see a life change, let who you are be known by the power of the gospel. Let who you are be known by the power of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, inscribed on our hearts, known and read by everyone. It is clear that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. These Corinthians, they were accepting a lot of preachers that, that, weren't, that weren't saved. They were just coming in. Preachers that were coming to them with letters of authority from well-respected teachers of the time. And I'm not convinced that the letters they produced were even real or genuine. These same preachers would condemn Paul and lead the people of Corinth astray and lead them away from Paul and the true gospel. So Paul says, who needs pieces of paper? Is not the miraculous regenerating power of God that changed your life through the preaching of Christ's gospel that I shared with you not enough? Who needs it? That change, that power of God alone should be all that Paul needed to prove he is who he says he is. Beware of people who try to rely too much on their pieces of paper, folks. It's important to be trained, don't get me wrong. It's important to be trained in your job or your industry or even in the ministry. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that. I've got a master's degree in Christian studies. I understand that. But the proof is in the pudding, not the paper. Let me see what God has done with you and through you first. The ironic thing is that, and we're going to see this later in this book, that Paul had better credentials than all the preachers of the time. All of them. But he didn't get into a paper fight. He just said, hey, because of God's work through me to you and you being saved, that should be all the credentials you need to know what I'm telling you is from God. Proverbs 21.2 says, All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and inscribe it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will each man teach his neighbor to be his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and will remember their sins no more. You know, a lot of people say, I, speaking of me, that I shot myself in the foot because I didn't go to a Southern Baptist seminary for my undergrad or even my graduate work. And, and you know what I say? You know what my answer is to that? Am I here to please man or am I here to please God? I went where God told me to go. And it really shored me up in what I believe. That's where I went. Does your papers or my papers mean anything in eternity? Is Jesus going to go, did you get your doctorate? No. 
he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful slave. By the way, servant in that particular translation is translated weak. The actual translation says slave, not servant. Well done, my good and faithful slave. Enter into the kingdom. He's not going to say, did you get your doctorate? Because if you didn't, you can't come in. Did you get your master's degree? Because if you didn't, you can't come in. Do you got a letter of recommendation? No, I ain't got none of that. I got Jesus Christ. That's all I need. What matters is that we share the gospel wherever we go. And number three, minister to life to all those around you. Minister to life to all those around you. 2 Corinthians 3.4 says, Such confidence before God is ours through Christ. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim that anything comes from us, but our competence comes from God. And he has qualified us as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This man, this Jew, was named Paul, who once was Saul, who sat at the feet of the highest teachers in the land, who was a zealot and had the respect of the entire ruling class of the Jews. But he was radically saved and changed by Jesus Christ on his way to Damascus. And he says here that all his training and all his accomplishments basically mean nothing in the sight of Christ. It is Christ or nothing. He says that all of confidence, all of his confidence of word, of the word, excuse me, <clears throat> he says all of his confidence is in the word of Christ, who is the Savior. All of our knowledge, all of our training, competency does not come from us, from human wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It is God who has qualified Paul and other ministers throughout the centuries. Not some council, not some test, not some denomination. It is the Spirit of God. It is God's gifts moving and working through our lives that qualifies us as ministers of the gospel. Me, you, and everyone who's saved. Not degrees, not certificates, not ordination papers. It's Jesus. The question is not, have you had all your wonderful training, but does God work through you to touch and change others? If not, then all your wonderful papers mean nothing. They're useless. God don't bless that when you're out of his will. I can bring a man with a doctorate in this church and let him loose. But if he's not called to God to be in this church and he relies on all his teachings and all of his, his programs and all of his haughtiness, then this church would die. But if I take a man with minimal training in the Bible who's humble and relies on the Spirit of God and is called by God to this church and let him loose, then you will see a church that starts to become alive. Let me tell you something. I may have a master's degree in Christian studies, but that isn't what changes people's lives. It's the Spirit of God that brings life where the letter of the law brings death. That don't amen you? Then I shocked you and stepped on your toes somewhat. I don't know. This doesn't apply to ministers only, folks. This applies to each and every one of us. 
If you are humble, share the gospel and rely on the Holy Spirit, you'll find people coming alive all around you. All of a sudden, you got people being saved at work, saved at home. That neighbor that you thought never could be saved, that you ain't even talked to in 10 years, go talk to them. And maybe, just maybe, you might be the one to lead them to Jesus Christ, and they get saved there. Pretty soon, you're going to see those things happening around you. Share Christ wherever you go, and let that be your credentials of a life lived well in Jesus Christ. To sum it all up, go where God calls and minister the power of the gospel to those around you. 